Hello, everybody, and welcome to Into the Prey, breaching the chaos of the church with Nick and Mary Franks. I wanted to do an impromptu episode of the podcast today to let you hear something that is one of the most, I suppose, encouraging is the wrong word because it's not directly, but it's definitely one of the most clear and confirming things that I've read recently in terms of the sanity that comes when you read or hear somebody else communicating in the same way that you yourself do. And this is what I'm about to let you listen to now. It's a just a simple recording that I've made of a devotional by T.A. Sparks that I read earlier today. And I don't know if you get them, you may get his devotions yourself. You can easily do that. It's free. Just go ahead to the website that I'll put a link for in the show notes. But I read it and it's easily one of the best things that I've read in recent weeks and months, maybe even as much as six months, I don't know. It's just a a rare thing to read, something as helpful and clear, and hence why I wanted to do this for you to listen to today at whatever point in your day, whatever time of your day it happens to land with you, the beginning of it maybe, or at the end of it, or somewhere in between. I'm wanting you to just know that the ongoing work that Mary and I are called to is costly, and it is costly in lots of ways, including physical ways. I believe there's a spiritual dynamic that rages against the work that we do. And currently, Mary is suffering horribly with ongoing migraines that are debilitating. And it's very difficult for both of us to continue doing certain things when when this is such a regular ongoing issue. And so we have one or two people in our lives that we can confide in and ask to pray for on a daily basis with updates and that kind of thing. But in terms of a more public request for prayer, I want to just make that today and ask that you would cover us uh, in prayer and to be aware as this post, as this piece that you're about to just listen to now puts uh, in very no uncertain terms is that there is a a dynamic, a spiritual dynamic behind the scenes. Now, somebody once said that God is moving behind the scenes and he is moving the scenes that he's behind. But it's important for me to maybe make this quite clear because not everybody will have personal experience of this. But when you come into contact with idolatry in the church, it makes you feel sick. Um, it's not always immediately clear whether or not that's going to happen. It could be from meeting to meeting. You just don't know from encounter to encounter. You might have an opportunity to meet with some people. And even though they would call themselves evangelical Christians, there is a chance, particularly if there is a strong link with an establishment, an institution, whether church-based or maybe educational, theological, seminary, that kind of thing, whatever it is, Uh, And in my experience, you come away from certain encounters with, in my experience, it's mainly been men, although there are different versions of this idolatry. But certainly in terms of the kind of idolatry that T.A. Sparks puts his finger on here, and you come away feeling sick, not just that you've encountered the idolatry in fleshed out form, but that you've somehow come into kind of closer proximity or even touching proximity with something demonic. And that is what I found so helpful listening to this piece that I've just recorded for you now is that it's, he makes the point, Sparks makes the point that it's not just um, an idolatrous human being you're coming up against, you're coming up against an ancient satanic scheme and strategy to keep the church, as he so succinctly puts right at the end, 
bound up with the things of God to the expense of God himself. They are not able to discriminate between his things and himself. He says at the beginning, touch some Christians or Christian institutions and let the touch be even in relation to something more of the Lord himself and you will find an uprising of jealous regard for the institution which utterly blinds to that possibility of an extra measure of the Lord himself. This is very helpful, (laughs) very helpful for myself and married together and I'm sure for you if you listen and you have a sense of being able to relate with this ministry that essentially challenges the mainstream institution of the church, which in more cases than not is idolatrous. And yeah, I I, I want I wondered if it would just be helpful to record this, and which is why I've done it, but please pray for us. We we have um there's a collateral damage from having a kind of ministry that is um yeah that is prophetic and that that is um disruptive and unsettling and often rejected and maligned and i just think at the minute we're probably paying a, a very high price for having a calling like this which in all honesty is is a calling that if it were not for the grace and sovereignty and providence of god we probably would have just given up on um so I hope this is encouraging and I'd encourage you to pray for us. Encourage, I'd encourage you to pray for the church. Imagine if your bride, imagine if your wife was unwell, sick. How would you feel? And I, w- I would encourage you to pray for the church in that way. Imagine if your spouse, as men listening to me, imagine if your wife was unwell, chronically, maybe even terminally, seriously unwell. And you would feel, well, I don't need to tell you, you're, you would feel a certain way and your longing for her healing and your longing for her restoration would be intense. And um, I think there is a very important message to hear with that with regard to how we pray for the church. We're not supposed to just, just to pray for justice and for uh, holiness. And, and of course, that's right, we should that there is a need for repentance and accountability and um, a turning in the church. But ultimately, there's a need for healing. And that's why I often quote Hosea 7.1, where through the horrendous pain of Hosea, which was, I believe, the pain of the Lord himself, the divine pathos of the Lord, fleshed out through Hosea and the unique calling that he had with Gomer and the children with her, was to understand what it would mean to intercede with a wife who wasn't very well. You know, we look to him as the head, and he is the head of us all. If we're truly in Christ, if we're truly in the body of Christ, we look to the head, and we're not well. Collectively, we're not well. And even if you're in a right place of right standing with God, see 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen. if you're in a place of right standing with him, you, in a sense, we're still unwell because we're part of a body that is unwell. If you have one part of your body that's unwell, and even if it's the vast majority of your body that is well and you have one small part that's not, you still tend to be off your pace. You still tend not to be able to function quite as you would hope to or want to, let alone if you have multiple individual things going on and actually sometimes just getting out of bed feels difficult. 
So I'd encourage you, I pray that this piece now encourages us all to ask the Lord to enable us to pray for the church, his bride, as he would mean us to, as he would want to, and indeed how he actually is in intercession at the right hand of the Father in that kind of constant divine way. So listen to T. Austin Sparks here. Pray for us. Pray for my beloved. Pray for Mary. Pray for myself physically. Pray for us as a couple at this disrupted juncture that I can't explain in more detail at the minute, but we are currently facing a, humanly speaking, a very difficult situation of uh, convergence of various different circumstances, and we need the Lord um, to help us, to lead us, and um, a bit like the occasion when Paul and... um, sorry, Peter and others were in prison. There was a praying church behind closed doors. And I I would encourage you, if you've um, followed, tracked with this podcast for any amount of time or any of the videos or anything else, please pray for us. And um, we currently, uh, yeah, we currently have about six weeks to move house and we're not sure where to go or or how that's even going to be possible just just to explain that since publishing the glorious few a few a few things that could have happened at any point within the last 10 years have all happened at once and it's in a sense that's comforting because we know that that's the lord we know that his it's his governance over our lives but at the same time it's very very painful very disruptive very difficult um for various reasons i can't give more detail about one of the main things that's happened just for um legal reasons but we will share about that when the time is right, but I don't need to give you all the details. I'm just requesting prayer. And as you listen to this devotional now, I pray that it would be a blessing to you, a provocation to pray intensely for the church. Hosea 7.1, that was the verse I just forgot to tell you. I got sidetracked. Hosea 7.1, when the Lord would heal his people, when the Lord would heal Ephraim, he reveals iniquity. And that for me is a parallel of Ephesians five. Verse 11, have nothing to do with deeds of dark, the deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And so, but when I think of the Hosea passage particularly, I think of the Lord, the Lord's intense desire for his bride to be healed. And in that sense, he would do anything um, and has, of course, already at Calvary. But what I mean is if there was some kind of festering, infected wound, something maybe even that was gangrenous and that required amputation, as I did a piece on 2 Timothy. Read 2 Timothy and you'll see what I mean. He, The Lord in his loving kindness is going to want that exposed, isn't he? He's going to want that infection, the sin, the concealment, the, the cover-up, the lukewarmness. He's going to want that exposed in order to be healed. And it is iniquity. When the Lord would heal Ephraim, he reveals iniquity. Thank you for praying. Thank you for listening. God bless. Shun, keep clear away from, avoid by flight if need be, any sort of idolatry, of loving or venerating anything more than God. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 14. 
and the amplified version. There are many things which are not only harmless, but good in themselves, which have, nevertheless, been allowed to take the place of the Lord himself, and good things can therefore embody the principle of idolatry in the one in whom the devotion is found. Touch some Christians or Christian institutions and let the touch be even in relation to something more of the Lord himself and you will find an uprising of jealous regard for the institution which utterly blinds to that possibility of an extra measure of the Lord himself. You can be so devoted to a denomination, a missionary society, a piece of Christian work, that there is no room for any extra measure of the Lord. The thing itself has become the end, the object for which you live. And when the Lord wants to get you moved on into something more of himself, the obstacle is that good Christian work association, institution, tradition, connection. Yes, and that is idolatry in principle. And we see from history how the Lord again and again has had to smite with smashing blows things which in themselves were good in order to save his people unto himself personally. What is he after? It is himself which he is seeking to establish as the object of man's life and not the things that have relation to himself. And I say again, you meet something intensely fierce if you touch a thing, even though you are touching it maybe with a view to getting people to move on with the Lord himself. To put that in the other way, If your appeal for moving on with the Lord seems to people to involve their having to move away from this or that or some other thing, then there is warfare, which shows that Satan in his eternal campaign of idolatry has got a footing amongst Christians in relation to things which take the place of the Lord himself, good things though they be in themselves. And you find, if you are spiritually sensitive, that you are not just encountering the established institutions, but you are encountering a terrific spiritual force. Is that true? It is true. Had I never come up against it, never would I have believed the terrific force there is lying behind Christian institutions if your ministry touches them. You meet something which turns upon you. And it is not just the thing or the people. It is something that threatens your very life to slay. And this in principle and essence, beloved, is idolatry. Because its ultimate effect is that even the Lord cannot have what his heart is set upon and get his people spiritually where he wants them because they are so bound up with his things. They are not able to discriminate between his things and himself. T. Austin Sparks